It's the Permanent Good Podcast about the Oscars. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that is all movie club, no improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. So we're coming to you live in Central Park talking about the 2022 Oscar nominations with a heavy focus on the best feature nominations. And first of all, I want to say this is the first time I've ever watched more than one best feature nomination. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, dude. Because normally they pick a bunch of movies that I'm not interested in. I think last year actually might have been the first one because we went out of our way to watch Mank. But here's the thing, dude. I can look through this list and say I'm actually only interested in two or three of these movies. Yes. But because of this, I watched most of them and you watched all of them. Yes. And I think that that's something that I, above all else, I think that is the most important job of the Oscars is to showcase movies that we need to recognize the movies that are the best. Yes. But we also need to recognize movies that other people, that most people might not have gone out of their way to watch the first time around. So I definitely, I'm, I'm walking away from this award season feeling hella cultured. Uh, if, if nothing else, I feel incredibly cultured. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with a friend recently who asked me like, Hey, what I know you've been watching a bunch of movies for the podcast recently on the Oscars from the ones you've seen, which ones are your favorite? I went through all the ones I've seen for the Oscars and I realized none of them were like amazing. (laughs) Okay. There were plenty that were good. There were plenty that were not good. And there were a lot that I was like, Oh, this is artsy. But none of them were like, this movie's amazing. Very rarely do, like, fun movies make it into the best feature nomination. Right. You'll get a few in the best animated. And we have a few this time around where it's just kind of like their whole deal is that they're fun. Um, But we're going to break down, like, 15 movies in this episode. So kind of, like, buckle in. Um, I do have one pet peeve that I want to ask about. Um, do you consider this, I, I, there is a correct answer, a by the book answer, but I kind of want your subjective opinion is, do you consider this the 2022 Oscars or the 2021 Oscars? The 2022 Oscars, but I know it's for the 2021. It makes more sense for the Oscars to be called the year they're coming out with them. Like the See, nominations I are disagree. happening. It, I it would Things can't take place in the past. What would make the most sense is for this award show to take place in December. But it's representing movies from 2021. Yeah, but that doesn't... Dude, that would be your class of 20-whatever-the-heck, right? Yeah. That year you graduate is a small fraction. It's the shortest year that you were ever in high school. Okay, but I was in high school that year for... And not insignificant portion of time. You're in high school in the year you graduate for five months. But hear me out, bro. It wouldn't make any sense for the Oscars to be awarded in a time that they're not in. It's just weird that 
every movie that came out in 2021 is awarded a 2022 Oscar. Yeah, but bro, it's, it's thing, one of those bro. things that it's, whenever it's I like look this. up, it's just one of those things that whenever I look up like the awards, I'm like, okay, I know Argo came out in 2012. So like, what was it? up against because it's easier for me to remember like what year movies came out than what award season that they were awarded boy oh boy will i blow your mind with this i know just add a year add a year bro so it's just it's just like my knee-jerk reaction is like oh argo came out in 2012 what was it up against 2012 oscars and then i see you know all the 2011 movies i'm like this sucks i just i think that these are the 2021 oscars and if that's the hill i need to die on Put the Oscars in December, bro. Put them at the hey, end of the year. Hey, audience, I do want to let you know, Alex and I have both been drinking. I haven't started yet. I'm just you haven't. I'm just pissed. Oh, so you're just like this? Yes, I'm, bro. This is this is not a character. This is me, bro. It should just be in December. Um, I mean, I think the Academy deserves time to like carefully choose hey, their nominations watch and- movies when they come out academy also we listen there's no way there is a zero percent chance everyone casting a vote has seen all the movies that have come no, out no that's actually a very big kind of like upsetting point and when people argue that the academy awards aren't that they don't represent you know actual cinema audience members that's one of the first things they say is like most judges don't watch all of the movies and i agree that's like if you're on the academy like hey bud but also like i'm pissed for multiple reasons one they're not watching every nominee to know who wins they should actually let's give them the benefit of the doubt let's say they watch every nominee and then they vote on the winner from that right would i we get away with not watching every single one but it's a short list we host a podcast you can if it's your job, you can watch 20 movies. It's what it's your job. What I will not stand for is you, and it's impossible, so this thing shouldn't even be a thing, is you're not watching every movie. Because, like, I've seen movies, plenty of them, that aren't on this list. Now, maybe they didn't get nominated because they weren't good enough. Whatever. I don't believe that's true. I think plenty of people just didn't watch those movies. The Harder They Fall is hands down better than half these movies, bro. It's fire. I didn't. I haven't met a single person who didn't like that movie. You can't vote for nominations if you haven't seen every movie. It's it's you can't do it, bro. Because who are they going up against? If you've only seen five movies and you liked all of them, you didn't nominate all of them. It's ridiculous. I'm over, dude. I'm over it though. I'm over all right. It. Already so over. So let's so let's get into it. Let's get into it. First, set. um, we're gonna start with the best animated features because there are fewer of them, and uh, we're gonna go in alphabetical order for this one. Uh, Encanto is, you know, first on the list. I think this is not a surprise for anybody. Not a surprise, uh, but Craig, what did you feel going into this movie? Did you watch it when it first came out? Was there yeah, already oh, hype behind no. it? I watched it when it was on. Di- I watched it like the day it came out on Disney Plus. Um, not because I was like that excited for it. It was just like that was the day I was available to watch it. Um, I went in with very low expectations because it just kind of like. I didn't love the art style of the poster. Um, the clips that I seen hadn't really sold me on it. But I went into that movie, and if we recall from the 2021 wrap-up, like this movie was on my top five. Um, this movie is very good. I think it pulls at a lot of very important heartstrings. I think it tackles heavy themes very eloquently. And the music freaking slaps. I just there there's a lot of good things that can be said about this movie. 
And, but there's and plenty of bad things, and I'm here to say them, bro. Here's the thing. I'm not the demographic. No, you aren't. I'm not. Not only am I not the demographic, I don't like the the demographic this is for. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There's Kids? Two, there, listen, there are... This, for, this is really for two demographics. It's for kids and then parents who take their kids to movies. Now, big fan of kids. Love them. Have one. You know? Would recommend. The parents that take their kids to movies. So this movie needed to be good enough that when parents saw it, they're like, okay, I'm going to take my kid to this and I'm not going to suffer, which is why Shrek was a freaking banger. Because Shrek was like the movie parents wanted to take their kids to. This movie was okay. It was so okay, I don't remember anyone's name in it besides Bruno. Okay. Not a single one. Yeah, this... Yeah, I... I, I did like this movie a lot. I remember a lot about this movie. And hear me out. I, I think I think the it just music. Comes... Okay, this is not Lin Manuel's best. Want to try that again? It's it's no. He, he doesn't deserve it. What? He doesn't deserve it. Listen, bro. You I are mean today. I'm not his biggest fan. I don't even know. I, you know what? I'm a, I'm just gonna say it. I'm not a fan. Lin Manuel Miranda. He's a guy, bro. He is Salt Bay to me. He's just a guy who fits a certain person's tastes and that's it um i think Encanto is a movie i i think this is a very important thing to point out when it happens is recognizing when you are not the audience for a movie right i'm gonna bring it up several times throughout this uh conversation um i was in the the demographic for this movie this movie a child. it's one of the it, yes a child it's one of those things where it's very powerful if the thing that they are talking about is something that you relate to and this movie has a lot of themes of just like living up to expectations that other people have set for you and you learn to believe for yourself and it, and that is a concept that I really just, I saw myself in a lot of this movie when it came to that. And so I think your opinion of this movie really boils down to like, how Can't much relate. do you, yeah, how much do you rate, relate to it thematically? And there are some movies that you don't have to relate to them thematically in order to like enjoy it. And, and I'm, but I'm willing to concede that the more you relate to this movie, the better your experience will be. And the reverse is not necessarily true. But I will say movies that don't need you to relate are better movies. Okay. That is a very uh, flag in the ground statement. And I am not going to argue with you on that. Um, So that's Encanto. That's the only animated feature film I have seen. I guess we'll go through the rest of them. I've seen a little bit of Luca. I've watched the trailers for Raya and The Last Dragon. So, so I can so, kind of pitch so in let here me not there. so let me knock this out real quick. Sure. Flea is the only movie that I kind of like had to bail from. Um so so here's the thing with Flea is the harsh way to put it is it's a gimmick movie because it's nominated it's also nominated for best documentary, right? And the way this movie is set up is all the audio or at least most of the audio is interviews. One guy came in and he's like, "Hey, I have a shady past and I want to talk about it. Okay. So all of the audio is him 
talking to the interviewer and kind of just retelling his story. And the art style is very sketchbook. It's very like we're all we are doing is visualizing what this guy is saying. And that was a premise that was too big of a hurdle for me to jump into. I think that it's it's very difficult for a movie to be both documentary and movie, right? At that point, just kind of make it a biopic. Right. Um, was so, this documentary, like, real? And by I, that, I mean... I would imagine. Okay, that's fair. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about a movie later today that had a fake documentary and a movie yeah. in it. So all in all, like I just, I wasn't sold on the gimmick of the movie. In fact, the gimmick was kind of distracting and like nothing was crisp. Nothing felt final. Um, it, 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 it just serves better in the documentary category and I am not a documentary guy. So that's all I got to say about flea. Um, Luca is my okay movie on this list. Oh, I liked Luca. Luca is cute. But it's also like this is one of those movies where everybody's reactions to things are way like it's one of those movies where you see somebody react to something. You're like, all right, calm down like a little bit. And obviously movies are supposed to have exaggerated reactions to things. But with this one, it was there was just something about it where I'm like, you need to dial it back like a little bit. And I didn't feel like the stakes were very high. I I mean, like, they, the stakes didn't need to be high. I, I just didn't feel very, like, invested. And I didn't have a lot of reason to, like, root for both of the characters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of moments where one character was being a brat. So I'm like, all right, let's focus on the other one. And then the other one is being, like, selfish. And I'm like, okay, well, now I don't like you either. Eventually, the only character you like is the girl. And I'm like, I'm not uh, what are you're a side character. And, and, and like, it's good. It's cute. I enjoyed watching it. Um, it's just like there's a lot of this movie where everybody the, the best way to put it is everybody takes things so personally and like fair. You're 10. You're allowed to do that. There's just it, uh, there was just something about that that made it like a little more difficult for me to like these characters. Um, but it's very charming. There's lots of cute dialogue. The character designs are cute. Um, I, the overbearing parents was a little like not fun to watch. And there are certain aspects of a movie that I understand this was on purpose, but if it makes it less fun, then I get less on board with it. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I felt with a lot of this movie is you have a lot of fun parts and then you have a lot of parts that you're using to move things forward that aren't fun. And th- that doesn't mean that everything has to be happy and everything has to be joyful. Like, obviously, there has to be conflict. But I think that there's a way to do it while not, like, making our main characters seem, like, you know, bratty and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is going nowhere. What yeah, I'm saying is- I mean, to be honest with you, I watched the first 20 minutes. The last, the next 40, I was trying to take a nap. And I had a small human encouraging me to watch. So I don't know much about it. Yeah. So overall, this movie also kind of had like this aspect of like, this is an adventure movie. It's not. They're in one town for the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. And so there are, like I said, there are lots of cute moments in this movie. It's just not. it's, It's one of those movies that everybody hyped up more than I 
got out of it. You know, maybe Pixar has just been kind of Pixar has been kind of oversold for me recently. And I think this movie is another aspect of that. You know, this this was this year's soul for me, dude. Yes. Go back and listen to our soul episode. You'll see how Craig and I felt about that. Uh, Mitchell's versus the machines. Freaking rules. All right. Okay. Now, I know if you go back and listen to our 2021 recap, I did put in Kanto higher on the list than Mitchell's versus the machines. I think that was a recency bias because I had just watched in Kanto. Um, personally, out of all of these, I think I think Mitchell's versus the machines is my favorite. Okay. Because it's made by the same studio that d- that did uh, Into the Spider Verse, and so we all know where that leads for Craig. Yep. And uh, this animation felt different, you know, with um. Disney and Pixar, I would say 80% of the time, we're getting the same thing aesthetically. Aesthetically and visually, I feel like we th- there's not a lot of variation in what we get from them in terms of style. Gotcha. But Mitchell's versus the Machines, like, through all that, they, they doubled down on style. It's like, we're going to have fun characters, maybe a by-the-book story, and, I'm, and I will concede that. Mm-hmm. But this movie is what I will point to when I said they had fun along the way there was conflict, but they still made that conflict fun. The, the colors are amazing. The dialogue is cool. It doubles down on its cheesiness. And so if that's not your thing, then like there might be some groaners in this movie, but Mitchell's versus the machine, I think is the most heartfelt movie on this list. And I think that that carries this movie very, very far. I didn't love uh, so a lot of this movie is like modern tech based. Hello, it's called versus the machines, right? And because of that, you you fall into a lot of stereotypes of like older dad doesn't get why young person on phone <laughs> try yeah. to take phone away doesn't understand why upset and those those are plot lines that I roll my eyes at like 99 times out of 100 and and there were some moments in this movie where I was doing that too but every time it did that it made the interaction that I got from them doing that worth it um normally they can someone will just do that they'll wrote, they'll write like a dad that doesn't understand technology and they'll kind of leave it at that but here you see a family that's like trying to understand why you are on your phone so much and why you don't like me being on my phone so much and stuff like that. And you watch them learn. You you don't see them like totally take the other person's side, but you see like the little adjustments that the other person makes to accommodate for that. And maybe like try to understand them a little bit better. Gotcha. This movie is cheesy as heck. So you, you gotta know that going into it, but even even still, like this was a banger. Um, it's a Netflix original of the animated features. This one is my personal pick. This is my go-to animated recommendation from 2021. Uh, this one, this one slaps. Um, Raya and the Last Dragon is the last animated feature film, and I feel bad for this movie because this movie I feel like got the short end of the stick, like just kind of in general, because mm-hmm. like there was very little marketing for this movie. It got like delayed, then delayed, then put on just Disney Plus. And there was like very little hubbub about this movie. And I, I think it kind of got sold under the water. Um, that being said, this movie is good. Uh, I think 
if you're if you're not familiar with this, I'll break this one down a little bit. Um, Raya basically kind of lives lives in pretty much a post-apocalyptic world, an apocalypse that she started because she broke a mystical item that basically effed up the entire land. Love it. And so now she's trying to find all the pieces of the mystical thing she broke so she can summon a dragon that will in turn fix the world, right? And I thought that the journey of this movie was going to be summoning the dragon. The dragon gets summoned in like 30 minutes. And also that dragon is voiced by Aquafina. Okay. So Aquafina isn't big fan of dragon movies. Yes. So if you like Aquafina's style of comedy, then you will like the role that she plays in this movie. She is very Aquafina in this movie. Um, Raya kind of has kind of that... Uh, stern cold demeanor and so that's what's being that's what aquafina is playing off of this person who like i have a mission i need to fix the world and then aquafina is like i want biscuits and stuff like that okay i thought this movie was really cool i i think this movie deserved a little bit more attention it's not my personal favorite on the list i'd probably rank it at number three but I think this movie is worth watching. I hope that this nomination kind of brings a little bit more attention to it. It's maybe goes on a little long, but, and there are some parts toward the end where you're like, all right, I know what's happening. Let's wrap it up. But all in all, like this movie, I enjoyed watching it and I'm glad I finally did get around to it. Here's the thing. It is painfully obvious that the animated feature film, too many of these films are getting nominated because there are not very many animated feature films. Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of like the Disney effect, right? Where, you know, there are five movies, three of them are Disney. And I think, honestly, the things that will, I, th- I think streaming sites are going to be the thing that kind of elevates this category specifically. I hope that in the next like two or three years, we get more movies like Mitchell's versus the machines or, uh, Netflix released a few like pretty banging animated movies, mm-hmm. um, like uh, the Wish Dragon. I think was one, and I think that if more big streaming services release big, good, detailed animated movies, this this list can grow beyond Disney. And that's kind of it's one of those things where like. It, the best movie should receive the reward, and and sometimes it should be as simple as that. But then you get like another aspect of Disney has owned this category for like twenty five years. Yeah, and you're like, and there's not much you can do. There's like four animated studios that just it makes it impossible to compete with. I want Mitchell's versus the, I want Mitchell's versus the Machines to win because I genuinely like think this movie deserves it, but it would also be nice to watch not Disney win once. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is again not my demographic. I it, dude, when Willow becomes older and I have more kids and I'm going to the theater, I'll be more invested. But right now, I don't feel anything when I watch these movies. And all I see is plot holes and in Kanto, the biggest thing I had was like, who's the bad guy? There's no bad guy. There's a bad Generational thing. trauma was the bad guy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can't beat up trauma. This is boring. <laughs> so let's move on to the, the live action best features. Okay. Here um, we go. We're, 
yeah, we're going to go in reverse order for this one just because I want to. West Side Story is the one that I've watched most recently. Um, this movie is good. End of sentence. Okay. <laughs> I have beef with this movie. Okay. okay. I, I mean, I have beef with most movies. Here's There are good things about this movie and bad things about this movie. I agree. And for every pro, I will give a con or vice versa, but it means the same thing. Ansel Elgort is so much better of a singer than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. It's yeah. impressive how talented this guy is. Can I offer the con for this one? Sure. Ansel Elgort is the worst actor in this movie. 100%. <laughs> he can sing his pants off, but I don't believe a word he's saying. Like, so uh, the uh, this movie is... Do we do any more plot breakdowns or it's West Side Story? Dude, yeah, if you dude. don't if you don't know the plot of West Side Story, go back to 1967. I'm um, going to do a 100% spoilers in 15 seconds. White guy from a white gang falls in love with the little sister of the leader of a Puerto Rican gang. In the end, the Hispanic leader kills the white guy's best friend and he the white guy, main character, kills the Puerto Rican leader. Then retribution happens. White guy dies retribution for killing the leader. All because he fell in love with a Puerto Rican girl. Now, that's yes. the entire story. The movie's two and a half hours long. Yes. Uh, this mo- West Side Story is, is it's common knowledge that this is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Yep. And... I think this movie does a very good job at letting at letting you forget that it's a Romeo and Juliet story until the Romeo and Juliet things happen. Right. So um, there are very important there are very iconic Romeo and Juliet things that happen, like the balcony scene where he's on her fire escape, good stuff. Right. The scene, you know, the the rumble where uh two people die, one of whom being a leader, iconic. When he dies because he thought that she was dead, iconic. Okay, now I'm going to put in a con to this. I guess you could say that was the pro to the con being it's two and a half hours long. Yes. (laughs) So I'll come up with a new pro. It's been nominated for seven Oscars, and half of them are deserved. It is an amazing directed movie. The cinematography is incredible. Yeah. Um, The production in this movie is ridiculous, and the costume design is fantastic. Now, it's also an, uh, nominated for Best Sound, which was not noticeable. Uh, it's also which nominated- would argue is kind of like the most important. Would I would argue. You will notice it- only when it's bad. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, motion Picture of the Year? No way. You can't have a new adaptation for a movie that didn't even come out that long ago and has been out for forever be nominated. Unless it changes things and it's the exact same movie. When and then you, best hey, performance by an actress in a... When do you think West Side Story came out? Hear me out, bro. It came out you, when I saw it last, which it came was out in choir. 61 years ago. It just came out. <laughs> um, and then best performance by an actress in a supporting role, Ariana. Listen, bro, I realized that 30,000 women auditioned for this role. Actually, no, not even for that role. So a bunch of people, I'm sure, auditioned for this role. Not as much as Maria. She did a good job. She really did. But I, I would argue she's not in enough of this movie to warrant it. Well, here's um, the thing. Uh, if this was Les Mis, then yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it works. But she's not, A, an important enough character to be nominated, and B, not in enough of the movie. Which- yeah, so I would say 
the, the main. Th- I don't think that she does a bad. I I, I don't. Yeah, think she didn't that, do a bad job. Yeah, but I, other I think movies... it's more of the. I think it's more of like this character isn't written to give someone a supporting role award. Right. Because almost everything about this character is tied to the hip with her husband or her or her sister-in-law. It deserves half the Oscars. It's okay. If yeah. you like musicals. And- well, okay. Let's let I I do want to say this movie is good. I don't want to put it, I don't want to put an okay label okay, on it. Okay, you know that's fair. Mm. It's on the border, bro. If okay, okay is a five and good is a seven and a half, it's a six that and a, a half. That's a 6.75? Yeah. And so here's the thing. Um, I, I kind of want to die. I want to. I want to go back to Ansel Elgort for a second mm-hmm. because there are two things that I want that I thought that I wanted to like really dial in on. And first is that this his sequences were choreographed like it was a stage production. And what I mean by that is he's singing this song in the in the shop where he works. And what he keeps grabbing things, moving them to other locations and not doing anything with them. So there's lots of him singing where he's given stuff to do just so he's walking around. Usually um, and- it's in I, I noticed it in the shop. Yeah. Where he's yeah. singing with the older Puerto Rican lady. I'm like, yes. oh, he's just moving things around. And the moment I knew that Ansel Elgort was the weakest part of this acting wise is every time they cut to the Jets and Sharks, I was like ready for what was next. I'm like, all right, let's move this story along. And they would be in that scene for like 10 minutes. A song would happen. And then they would cut back to Ansel Elgort. And I would have the the actual reaction of oh man he's in this movie too yeah every time i will say my favorite his i'm not saying my favorite he's his best scene is when he thinks marie is dead yes i'm like that's fair this is acting everything you've been doing up around this point has not been everyone has been doing better than you and this is no baby driver bro so if you saw him in baby driver and said this is fire you are going to be disappointed uh, Rachel Ziegler is really good in this movie. Um, from what I understand, this is like one of her first roles. Uh, like it might not, it might be her breakout role. Like she does amazing in this. I really think she does. Um, yeah, I think also this is her this, breakout role. She was the one competing against 30,000 people. Yeah. Um, I also, the last thing I wanted to say was this movie did something amazing, which was it made me like the song America. Um, most recordings of that song are in, I think they're, they're, they're like poorly mixed and I don't love how that song comes out, but this version of America is like, it's well done. It's well produced. It's well choreographed. It's beautiful. It's engaging. Like that song alone is like, I, I, I think that that move that even if, even if you just wanted to watch a clip from that movie, I will say if people are going to watch West Side Story, only watch this. Yes. Don't mess around with the other ones. This is as good as it gets. It will never be better than this. And if you don't like this movie, then you don't like the story. That's just it. Yeah. Okay. Power of the dog. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Okay. So when this is uh, just so audience knows the highest nominated this year. Yes. 12 Oscars. Lots of them. Um, so when we started talking about doing an Oscars episode, I was like, have you seen power of the dog yet? And he goes, and Alex says, no, I haven't. And I go, okay, well, it's like that other Western that you liked, except bad. 
um no this so what was harder they fall yes. is like a it's a shooty shooty bang bang cowboy western yes Th- this movie is a ranch western so if you like two hours and 15 minutes of dudes wrangling cows and horses and grooming little boys by a river then allow me to introduce to you power of the dog dude this it got nominated for everything we don't even it need got, to go yeah. into it. it got everyone who could get nominated got nominated and kirsten dunst is the only one that should have right um this movie is hard to watch this movie is the filmiest of them all yes it the last 30 minutes were so bad i had to look up the ending cuz i didn't understand what happened yeah and there's a lot of like uh gay undertones and like the the duality of like uh sexuality and being a cowboy and what's expected and they play of you. with the concept of masculinity and what it means to be a leader but also sensitive and it was Here's the thing. weird benedict cumberbatch is too unlikable for most of this movie for him to have redeemed it at all it was the thing is he plays unlike he did an amazing job acting this movie but he did such a good job that when he started being nice it made you think he was up to something yeah so um this movie is very simple in premise long story short Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Clemens are brothers are they actually brothers or are they just adoptive brothers I think they're brothers Okay, and they lead this, like, ranch squad, and they stop at this diner to, like, get some food. Jesse Clemens eventually ends up marrying the owner of that diner. Her and her son move into the ranch, and Benedict Cumberbatch has a lot of tension with Kirsten Dunst. Because he thinks she's a gold digger. Yes, and... And so he's like kind of trying to drive her away. He's trying to prove her invalid. She's trying to take away her credibility. And just, and the thing is, he's not doing any of this in subtle ways. He's just mean. Yeah. He just, it's like not, this movie is like 90% hazing. Yeah. And you get the vibe that you're going to get from Benedict Cumberbatch for the rest of this movie very early on. He calls his own brother Fatso. More than his actual name. And it doesn't seem nice. Yeah. It's not like a playful term they have. And so w- once I got, once I saw that that was kind of the vibe, I'm like, all right, this movie's going to have to do a lot to rescue me from the opinion I have of this movie. And it did not. <laughs> it's two hours and six minutes of, dude, I don't even know. I literally don't know. All I know is this movie is the filmiest. It feels like Oscar bait. It feels like so much acting. When nothing is happening. And I didn't, like, I had to look up the ending, the whole anthrax thing. It was it was just too much. Yeah. This is um, not for the casual viewer. Not for the, that is a very good way to put it. This is for a film student. Uh, Nightmare Alley was not what I expected going into it in mm-hmm. the slightest. The way that the poster is, I, I didn't watch any trailers. I only saw the poster for this movie. It, I thought it was a horror movie. Straight up. Yeah, it feels um, like it. And it's also called Nightmare Alley. Yeah, but it's not. It's a psychological thriller more than anything else. Uh, so Bradley Cooper plays this guy who gets picked up by a carnival, by a traveling carnies. And uh, long story short, learns how to manipulate. Um, I, I, yeah, he works with an assistant who feeds him clues. So it feels like he's reading people's minds. Yes. Yeah. He's a fake psychic. 
that does crowd work basically right and the and the first half of this movie is him learning how to do this with the carnival and the second half of this movie is him and Kate Blanchett manipulating rich people uh using this using confidential psychological evaluations right like the richest person around who's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars and the first half of this movie is way more interesting than the second this half. is two different movies bro two different movies because you the first half of the movie is learning all the secrets right it feels like everything is so important i want to know everything about everyone in this carnival willem dafoe is so crazy good in this movie. It's, it's wild. Wild, bro. So the fact that the second half of this movie just abandons all of these characters for you know uh, for aristocrats, it's it it's a crime almost. Um, it's a really cool concept, I think, using you know confidential therapist sessions to fake psychic readings on paper. What an amazing. Uh, organized crime concept, right? But but they just execute it really like kind of boring. It's done kind of montagey. Um, it and does it's your not- favorite thing where it it has the teaching you how they got there in two minutes, and then also rags to riches also in two minutes. Yeah. So you just like all of a sudden they're famous and making buckets of money. Yeah, and. Uh, while he's at the carnival, Bradley Cooper uh, meets a girl and he's like, I like you. Let's run away together. And they do. And as soon as they run away, run away together, I'm like, oh, he's going to cheat on her. (laughs) And guess what? Oh, he's going to get good at whatever. This is the wolf on wall. This happens in every movie where a guy starts with no money and then gets money. Is he grows out of this relationship? And that was kind of like, The way they did it felt frustrating because he kept pulling her along, even though we knew that he was emotionally done with her. Right. But he's still using her for all of his acts. He just realized it is easier for me to be in a relationship and keep her as my assistant than to lose her and have to teach somebody else. Yeah. And this movie has a lot of really cool aesthetics. This movie does a lot of cool things. I, I just think that when it moves into... What I would call the actual plot of the movie, it loses a lot of its steam. It's, bro, everyone's going to like the first half more than the second half. Yeah, 100%. And the tricky part about the second half is it gets rid of all those characters, right? And lets you know five people. Yeah. And you're like, well, two of these are from the previous part of this movie, the main characters. Now we've got three new people, and this is just it for the next hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And the ending feels clunky it's clunky but i liked because he gets uh, betrayed and you don't really know why yes it's a what he's doing is really cool is he's trying to connect with this aristocrat's dead wife and he tries to pull one last scam where he's like all right girlfriend wife uh dress up as his dead wife walk by in the background we're not gonna let him interact with you And just let him believe that he saw his dead wife. And, of course, duh, everything goes off the rails. The plan fails. The dude realizes that, hey, spoiler warning, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't real. Um, She's not a ghost. Uh, And so there's uh, I I think there's a lot of cool things happening. And 
there, there's this speech that Willem Dafoe gives in um, the beginning of this movie where he tells Bradley Cooper how he basically recruits people to what's it called? The nerd, the geek, the geek. Uh, (laughs) I knew it was something like that where there's this guy who is starving, sleep deprived, beaten and going through drug withdrawal. Yeah. And so Willem Dafoe tells Bradley Cooper how he recruits these people, how he manipulates them is like, Hey, join the carnival and let me feed you raw chicken. And the end of the movie is you, Bradley Cooper falling off his high horse, hitting rock bottom, and someone basically Willem Dafoeing Bradley Cooper. And I think that in terms of like a last scene, that is a very poignant last scene. Yeah, very good way just, to end it. Because just enough time had passed from setting that up to where you forgot that was foreshadowing, which is the best kind of foreshadowing. I want to forget that it's foreshadowing 40 minutes before it happens. Yes, so good. Um, so very good last scene. But like you said, there's there's a lot that happens and very little at the end. And uh, Kate Blanchett, how she's wrapped up, kind of felt like unnecessarily aggressive. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Like You have no idea where her motives are. Yeah, that yes, exactly. What a good way to put it. It's like it's like she suddenly grew a conscience but didn't act on her conscience for like a few months. Yeah, and or you, would, or you're like maybe she's on a power. You're just left guessing. Why did she do this? Was it a control thing? Did she grow a conscience? Like what is happening? And you just don't know. And then he tries to sh- kill him. Yeah, and so I think this movie. I don't want to not recommend it to people. This movie sits so perfectly on the if you want to watch it, go for it fence. Where I think there's enough in this movie to be to it it warrants watching it but not so much where i'm gonna go out of my way to recommend it to people this is one of the easiest movies to watch on this list yes oh yes yeah uh uh-huh yes it is it rides the line between movie and film but it's relatively easy to watch you don't have to work to follow what's happening yeah now (laughs) i don't even know where to begin with this one Licorice oh, Pizza. Before we go to Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley okay. did get nominated for four things. Cinematography, which makes sense. Costume design, which makes sense. Also, Best Achievement in Production Design. And obviously, Best Motion Picture of the Year. At any time you're doing a period piece... It, costume it's, design it's, is a shoe in Yes. It's difficult to mess that one up. Now, Licorice Pizza. Right. You and I got beef. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't even watch it. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the movie. Okay. So Licorice Pizza is, I don't know if I can say this on the brand of podcast that we've developed. You can let me know. This movie is so incredibly masturbatory, it's disgusting. (laughs) Where it's about a young actor who is struggling in the industry and all the older women love him. And they just want, and like he, you know, they don't like him at first, but I won their hearts eventually. Like, shut up! It just like it, it felt this movie feels so much like someone telling their childhood story, but making improvements along at every possible opportunity to make themselves sound as cool as possible. And it do just, you it feel get, like they did that on purpose? No, I, I don't think so. This movie just feels like a big ego trip. Like it's like, hey, here. Hey, 
I'm a famous director now. I can make a movie where I look as cool as possible. Right. And it, it just it felt like an ego shove. And also, the themes in this movie are kind of gross. Because it's about a 15-year-old woman, or it's about a 15-year-old guy trying to seduce a 25-year-old woman, and the 25-year-old woman eventually agreeing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I'm just... And so I knew that going in. I'm like, this movie is about a 10-year age gap where one of them is still three years away from not being a minor. And that theme is, like, it's so hard to walk away from that at any point in the movie. Because the movie keeps bringing it up, but the movie doesn't talk about how it's weird. So do you think... Who is this movie for? I don't know. Because this movie is rated R. And so what I I think is everyone who's old enough to watch radar movies is going to be like, well, this is weird. Yeah. So and like, I I don't I'm not going to discount the entire movie because there is a movie in here that is worth watching if it wasn't about this like there are moments of like cool friendship there are moments of like genuine connection where like the soul of a good coming of age movie is somewhere in this movie but it is buried under six thousand layers of a 10 year age cap (laughs) with a minor and like that is a hurdle that i just could not get over um uh, and like th- there are parts of this movie that I think are interesting. Like this guy eventually decides he doesn't want to be a young actor. Or at least he's not good enough at being a young actor. So him and the girl he's trying to woo, they start a business together where they sell waterbeds. Cause this takes place in the seventies and waterbeds are like becoming a thing now. Right. And, Obviously. And, and so like there are moments of their interactions that are cool, but then you get to a point where like, she starts getting mad at him for like immature things and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, cause you're 10 years older than him. What do you expect in real life? Okay. So just looked at a couple things. I haven't seen this movie. The age gap is actually 12 years. Okay, cool. And he is still young, but of legal age, but uh, like the actor. Yes. He okay. is born in 2003, which makes him 18 when he filmed this movie. Yeah. The, this is also the son of Dustin Hoffman. Not okay. Dustin Hoffman, uh, the other Hoffman. Whoa, the Philip other Seymour. Hoffman. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Oh, you know what? I see that. I see it. Right. Um, I just, I think this movie, also Bradley Cooper's also in this movie. He's bad in this movie. Like, he, like character, actor? Yeah, both. Oh, no. <laughs> so he plays like this, like, uh, psycho, you know, like, uh, egotistical celebrity type. Mm-hmm. Where he's a power diva, he goes off on people. He thinks he better he's better than he is, and like it just wasn't fun to watch. I'm like, okay, a reprieve, a character that's so cartoonish. They have to acknowledge something about this movie, but but Bradley Cooper plays this role like right on the fence between realistic and cartoonish. Yeah, I'm like, you gotta pick one or the other. I think Bradley Cooper's also typecast. For 70s movies. Yeah. Because he can um, put on that look so quickly. Yeah. So this movie has just, like I said, there is a good coming of age movie somewhere in the soul of it. It just, 
everything else about it is just rough. So it got nominated it's, for three things. Best original screenplay, achievement in directing, and motion picture. Yeah. It's the fact that the screenplay got nominated yeah, that's like, concerning. <laughs> man, I don't want to go off on this movie anymore because I'm just I'm going to get tired. Um, but yeah, don't watch that movie. King Richard, here's where we start. This is a conversation. Let's have this conversation now. All right. Sure. So biopics. Let's talk about biopics. Um, there's an argument to be made that best acting in biopics are like there's a bias towards them than other than original acting roles because we have something to base it off. of. Right. And the closer you can get to that person means basically means the better actor you are. And I don't have a strong opinion on that thing. I just wanted to bring it up just to like acknowledge it and talk about it a little bit. Um, Cause I definitely understand that point. I think that like, you know, you get a best acting role just because you were in a different genre of movie. Like I, I get where that argument is coming from. I don't think it's solid enough to create like a best acting in original motion picture and best acting in biographical drama. But there like, also there's so they there's a bias towards biographical because we compare. There's also a bias towards true stories just in general. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. And so. So if there was like a nonfiction and fiction category, it might be better. However, we yeah. have the same situation we had with animated where there's just way more fiction than nonfiction. Yes. And so King Richard, Will Smith, holy crap, knocked it out of the park. But at the end of the movie, they play VHS tapes of the guy he's basing it off of. And so I, I want to recognize that, that like there is a bias towards real life depictions. I don't know what to do about it. I don't have a solution. I, I, I want to say that there is something there about it, though. Right. I will also say best. I don't think there's a bias towards motion picture of the year, but there's a huge bias towards acting. Yes, Not I agree. One hundred percent. So the fact that I got nominated for best picture is a testament to how good the movie, how good this movie is. I will say this is his Will Smith's third nomination for best actor. The other two, one was Pursuit of Happiness, which everyone knows is a great movie. See our best and worst of Will Smith. The other one was when he played Muhammad Ali. So, <laughs> so this guy is only a good actor when he's playing other like real people. All I'm saying is it's a 50-50 shot, bro. <laughs> and he's only been in two biopics. And he got nominated for both of them. Yeah. Um, this movie This movie is good. I like this movie is in my top three for front runners. Um, and I didn't expect it to be. I have been open uh, on the podcast where it's just like, I don't like sports biopics because I don't like the concept of breaking someone down to build them back up stronger. And right. that is what almost every sports biopic is. Also, it's kind of tricky to watch them because we know how they end. Yes. These players are obviously good enough to make a movie about. Yeah. And but this one was better than that. It did not do that, in my opinion. OK. Um, in terms I of, haven't seen this, by the way, audience. I don't oh, know if I mentioned okay. that. I, ha- I never saw it. <laughs> OK. So, yes, Serena Venus Williams, their story. Hey, congrats. Um, now, if you don't know the story of Richard Williams, which I did not. Um, you will be seeing a new story from this. There's lots about this movie that you, that like, unless you know, uh, unless you followed their childhood careers, you probably won't know about Richard Williams. While Richard is training the girls, 
He is the most stubborn person on the planet. And there are times where it's warranted and there are times where it's not. And, and so he gets a famous coach who John Bernthal's character love him and everything he's in. And he's good in this too. They convince this famous coach played by John Bernthal to be like, Hey, pay for our travel, pay for our housing, pay for our food and you will get 15% of the rest of their lifetime earnings. And so, and they're like, okay, we're taking a risk. All right. I'm here for it. But then they go up and they're basically like at this Academy, this like training campus for tennis run by this guy. And quick pause. Yeah. Oh, Will Smith has been in two other um, biopics besides this movie (laughs) and Ali pursuit of happiness. I forgot is a biopic. So every single one of his nominations were based off true stories and true depictions. The only one yeah. he didn't get nominated for is concussion. Continue. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, these girls are at this like training academy, and the reason why they're there is because Venus specifically was dominating the junior tournament bracket in tennis. And I mean, in tennis, duh. Right. Uh, and so the reason why this coach was willing to put on the brunt of it is because she went undefeated in the junior tournaments. If they keep doing jun- junior tournaments, she's going to make so much money. And then Richard pulls her out of junior tournaments for like three years. And the coach is basically doing all this pro bono work for three years to be like for when she goes pro to cash in then. And every time the coach is like, Hey Richard, when you gotta put him in? Hey Richard, when you gotta put her in? And he just said, and she, and he says no so many times. And along the way, he's starting new business ventures. So he's making money while spending no money at all. And it and the coach feels like he's being taken advantage of for very good reason. Right. He's just there's a lot of moments where Richard is overbearing over and he just there's a lot of this movie where he he thinks he knows better than the coaches themselves and i'm like hey man you reached out to them you need to dial it back like three notches and and that's just an aspect of the movie i don't think will smith did a bad job portraying it i just think that's an aspect of the person and of the character that like hey get ready to be frustrated at this guy for like 50 minutes of this movie well Good. That's a good warning because Will Smith has historically only played likable characters. Yeah. Um, this movie does. It's, this movie also isn't all about sports. Um, there are like the the first act of this movie kind of dabbles on gang violence because it's about um, part of the story is them growing up in Compton. So you see some of that Compton lifestyle that they have to kind of endure while they're getting their start. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a really engaging aspect of the movie. Um, but then this obviously there's no need for that in the second and third acts. And then that's when it becomes like a sports movie. Got you. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, this this movie's in my top three for Oscar noms. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm gonna, at the time of recording, I haven't seen it. I'll talk about it in a future podcast because I'm going to watch it soon. I'm super excited. I the, One of the reasons I didn't prep for the podcast for this movie is it's nominated for six Oscars, bro. Yeah. And it's got Will Smith, which is top five of my actors. I'm going to like it. Yeah. So I'm not super worried about it. Of course, it's in the top three. It should be. Dune. 
So the Oscars, like we said, have two things, awarding good movies and giving recognition to other movies. I think that this movie is the honorable mention nomination, right? There's no actual honorable mention in the Oscars. And there's no way this movie's going to win Best Picture. There is a 0% chance. So I think Dune was nominated purely so the Academy can be like, this is a good sci-fi movie. We understand that this is a beautiful film and we want to recognize it for its achievement. So this is an honorable mention put in the nominations category. Right. It's not going to win Best Picture. However, it's nominated for 10 things. Yes. It's going to win something. Something. I didn't love this movie. I didn't hate it. I actually think this might be my favorite performance of Timothy Chalamet. Uh, it's um, definitely my favorite performance. And I, you, if you know me on the podcast, I chronically do not like the guy. Yeah. So, you know, props to him. Um, this movie suffers from being a part one. And right. there's no way to remedy that without this movie being rushed and overproduced. And the thing is, is they did, it's so obviously a part one, but I'm not upset about it. It feels very like Batman Begins, where we know the next movie is going to be awesome. Yes. Because this had to be exposition. We had to know the characters. We had to get introduced to everybody. We have to learn the tendencies. But this next movie is going to be sweet. Yeah. And like nothing real, like things happen in this movie, obviously, duh. Um, but the points of action are so few and far between that it's easy to kind of get lost in the sauce on this movie. Um, when, cause when the house gets attacked and then there's like 40 minutes after that, it's like, all right, all right, we're really in this. Um, Jason Momoa's death. Uh, he, he was like the one character that I was like actively rooting for. Right. And so it was sad to see him die. I um, will oh, say that this movie is nominated for 10 Oscars. None of them are for acting. That, and you know what? I'm going to say that's fair. Yeah. Makes uh, a lot of sense. And I, I don't like doing this, but I want to talk about the actress that played his mom. I really, I, I did not like her performance at all. Okay. And because I think her, her job, her character's job is so lore bearing. Like she is the lore bearing character of this movie. Yeah. And she mumbles all of her dialogue. So when she's explaining to Paul, like, Hey, you're going to go see my mom. Here's the deal. I didn't catch any of that. Dude, you need, did you see this in theaters? Yes, bro. It, this movie of all the movies we've discussed needs subtitles. Yes. So she's mumbling and whispering all of her dialogue. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then there's also like whispering. Yeah. There's straight up other languages being spoken. You need subtitles. So like, uh, there's just a lot of lore that you kind of have to pick up through context. Um, the set design for this movie is beautiful. Um, the planet that, uh, house of trades, like, resides on that's a beautiful planet i really like the conversation i think oscar isaac is very good in this movie very good yeah jason momoa Uh, just plays himself yeah but he's cool so i like him josh brolin (laughs) fire javier bardem 
I'm a freaking stand for. So he did an amazing <laughs> job. Batista's almost, in this bad boy. Okay, here's here, let's, I was about to talk about him. Let's talk about him. He almost should not have been in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because he, they put so much importance around him, but do nothing with it. First of all, I thought he was the emperor of Arrakis. Huh. Because you must be here's, mistaken. Because during their intro, when. Is it? I think Paul is the one doing the exposition, the opening narration. Right. Timothy Chalamet, audience. Yeah. They talk about, he talks about, like, and they rebelled against the emperor. And when he says that, they cut to Dave Batista. (laughs) And I'm like, is that the emperor? Is Dave Batista the emperor? And then they don't show him again for like an hour. And so (laughs) I'm just lost with these so many questions. And this movie is fine. This movie is going to be so much better after the series is done. Right. Cause then we can go back and be like, Oh, the beginning, the origin of greatness. But right now it's just the origin. It's nothing special. It's, it's exposition. Yeah. And everybody's memed on how Zendaya is not in this movie. So we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Hey, Zendaya is in another blockbuster. Get used to it. Uh, drive my car is a foreign movie that I, this one, I didn't have the time to finish. Um, I got maybe an hour in, so so take what I say with kind of grains of salt. Um, uh, this movie is a slice of life movie. And the best way to describe what happens, plot premise-wise, is a lot of bad things happen to one dude over the course of like 20 minutes in terms of like the movie storytelling. Like we talk about how his daughter's dead he starts dating a new girl. Uh, she's like moved in. She's like basically his like uh, commonwealth partner. I know mm-hmm. they have a t- term for that. Um, and he's the he's he does a lot of workshops. He's very well renowned in the theater community. Uh, very like the guy has a lot of good things going. And then his girlfriend cheats on him with. A guy that like with like basically this guy that's going to turn out to be his protege. And then his girlfriend dies before (laughs) before he has the opportunity to confront her about it. Oh, boy. And so basically and then the movie cuts to like two years later. And this the, the best way that I can describe it is this guy is now incredibly attached to his car because his car is the only thing that hasn't left him in 15 years. And it's. From what I understand, it's the rest of his life, or at least the rest of the the slice of life that they're talking about, told through the perspective of his relationship with his car. So he takes a job where he's like the director of a, of a play, and he's like, "All right, I we booked you in this hotel an hour away, just like you requested, and we got you a driver, so you don't have to worry about driving." And he's like. Oh, don't worry about it. I don't need a driver. I drive myself. And the producers are like, the thing is, we can't let you drive. We will get a driver for your car, but you cannot drive. And he takes that personally. Oh, geez. And uh, that's kind of the best way to describe what I saw is it's this dude fighting for his life. Just kind of like told through the perspective of how he relates with his car. Um, it, it's a, it's a, I think it's a Korean drama. Um, very good, I think it's very Japanese. good acting. Japanese, okay. Yeah. The they there's also a lot of Korean dialogue in this movie. Um, 
So, you, you know, you get your Korean dialogue, you get your Japanese dialogue. Um, very, very Asian centric, if you'd believe it. Okay. It is nominated for four things. Best International Feature Film, obviously. Motion Picture of the Year, obviously. Also directing and adapted screenplay. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I, since I haven't finished this movie, I don't want to make any declarations about it. Um, it's kind of easy. The, the, ma- the lead, his acting isn't super engaging. Like, it's not high octane, I should say. Um, whether it's engaging or not is kind of up to you. It's, it's very subtle. He's, he's not over the top. It, it's very contained. So it's it's if you get distracted easily, like some of us on this podcast, Craig, you kind of got to like make an effort to pay attention. It's worth it. There's lots of the like even from what I saw, there's lots of this movie that is worth paying attention to. You just I just want to give that as like a heads up if you want to watch this movie. Good grief. Probably won't. Alex, I'll let you start this next one because I know you got feelings. Okay, so don't look up. DiCaprio, my man, the guy, if not favorite actor, second favorite. Like, this is my dude. He is acting his pants off in this movie. He kills it. And I hated this movie. I couldn't watch it all the way through. They got every actor you've ever heard of and ones you didn't even know were actors. This has Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Jonah Hill, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Ron Perlman, and more. It got nominated for four Oscars. None of them are for acting. Best Original Screenplay, which it shouldn't have got. Maybe the competition sucked. Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures, sure. Achievement in Film Editing, sure. And Motion Picture of the Year, which it doesn't deserve. This movie is whack in a sentence two low-level astronomers from michigan state go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy earth and no one takes it seriously it's a satire if you don't like satires and i'm one of those people where basically the whole movie is played straight but the joke is that it's real or vice versa that's what satire is it's very ambiguous i hate these movies and this movie is no exception. I didn't like it so bad, I quit about an hour and a half in, which means I had less than an hour left, and I didn't care for resolution. Okay, so this is another one of those movies that's two separate movies. The first half of this movie is them discovering the comet, them being like it's going to hit Earth, and the astronomers trying to persuade the government to take action towards destroying the comet. Then, at about the halfway point, uh, basically the Jeff Bezos parody character is like, we don't need to destroy it. We can wait until it comes closer so we can get up into it and then mine it for resources. I didn't get that far. And boy, oh boy, am I glad. So the second half of the movie is Leonardo DiCaprio kind of turns into this political surrogate, this front man for hey, don't be worried about the comet. We have a plan. It's going to get destroyed. Like, don't be worried about it. We have it under control. And Jennifer Lawrence is on the opposite effect where it's like, no, we can't. Like the plan's uh, not going to work. Yeah, the plan's not going to work. It's a comet that will kill us. Let's not try to make money off of it, guys. And 
I think that the whether or not you like this movie comes down to do you think this movie is funny? Because if you don't think this movie is funny, then there's not enough other stuff to like pull you through it. I. What do you think, Craig? I did think this movie was funny. This movie was not hilarious. There are some real on the nose jokes, but. I think the dialogue is written humorously enough to where I'm like, all right, I'll see where this movie's going. I think Ron Perlman's character is pretty funny because he plays like this disgraced military Air Force guy who has chosen to fly the rocket to destroy the comet. Mm -hmm. And he's like this super like (laughs) uptight, ego blown out type guy where uh, he, he thinks he's way better than he is. Everyone's hyping him up like he's a celebrity. But in reality, he has virtually no skills and is there as a showpiece. Um, that, that was funny. Um, oh, and I think this movie ends in a very heartwarming way. Um, if, if you want to try to make it through this movie, by all means, I, I think this movie is worth seeing if it's your movie or not. Like, if you don't like it in the first 30 minutes, you're not going to like it, and no one will judge you for bowing out. Um, but if you do like this movie, I think it's I think it's worth the watch. There's a, there's a bit that I did really like of while they're at the White House trying to tell the president that she – or that, that the comet is coming in. There's this military guy. Like, I think he's the military advisor that's, like, charging them for chips and water, like – you know, like, t- oh, like air- yeah, like he's making money prices. off of them, even though it's free. Yeah. And then Jennifer Lawrence goes to the snack bar and realizes that all the snacks were free. And he just made like 30 bucks off of them. And I'm like, what a stupidly small amount of money to scam these scientists out of. I thought that bit was just like stupid funny. Um, Yeah. I This movie. Listen, I liked this movie. This movie is the least deserving to be on this list. It It's writing the hype because yes. it was on Netflix Everyone saw it. I think this is, I think this is one of, this is a, I'm going to say it. This is a political nomination choice where it's like, we want to seem woke and smart and like, we need to acknowledge our scientists. So we're going to put the movie that acknowledges scientists on the nomination list. And I'm like, cool. You did that. Congrats. The movie is fine. I liked it, but I acknowledge the movie is fine. Meryl Streep is not great in this. I'm starting um, to realize Meryl Streep might just have a couple bangers. <laughs> and we shouldn't be worshiping her like a lot of people are. Okay. Ever since Ricky and the Flash, bro, I've not looked at her the same. <laughs> um, Coda is my personal top pick. This movie rules. Um, if you This movie is a coming of age movie. Yes, it is. Yes. Which are not my favorite. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get it out there. Coming-of-age movies are not my favorite. Yes. I I, I, underst- I respect that. For me, it's not a defined I do like it, I don't like it. Um, but this one really sold me. If you don't know, CODA stands for Children of Deaf Adults. So it centers around this girl who's about to graduate high school. She's in her senior year. And she is the only hearing person in her family of her brother and mother and father. So you go through this life of this girl who 
is battling like a, a, a real she's having like a huge identity crisis of I want to move out and not only do I want to move out I want to go to college I want to go to college far away and I want to go to college to study music which you know is the most dramatic ironic thing that she could study and she battles this concept of like I have been my family's only translator when it comes to the hearing public for the last 18 years. She works on a fishing, her family owns a fishing boat and they go out to fish every day before school. And she's like, can my family succeed without me? And also one of the reasons she believes that is because they tell her that over and over and over again. Yes. And so the family itself is very wishy-washy on what they want for her. Like, does do they think they can survive without her? And that is a theme that they are not confident on for a lot of this movie. And I I I found it just very compelling. I think there are, the characters in this movie feel very real without get without like it being boring because you get too real, you get boring at a certain point. Right. And I don't think these characters were that. I thought the dad was hilarious. Um, he, well, he, I mean, he got nominated for an Oscar for that performance. And, I, I and think he, he deserves it, bro. Yeah, I he's hope very he wins. Good. He's very good in this movie. And uh, I think, yeah, this movie just was very engaging for me. There's not a lot to talk about in this movie in terms of like themes and whatnot. Because kind of like what you see is what you get. Yep, it's, a, it's a movie about a hearing child trying to navigate her identities in the it with her deaf family in a hearing community. Right. And she gets bullied, her family gets discriminated against. She's trying to develop relationships with a boy. It's, it's what you expect. I think this movie does a very good job at letting these characters breathe in this world in their own way. I think it um, also helps that all the actors that are deaf were all the characters that are deaf were played by deaf actors. 100%. So yes. they're like if you've ever been around people with hearing disabilities or impairments, they, when they're doing things, they're still talking and making noises with their mouths while they're doing it. And they do that. But like, like I said, like, there's no focus on the deaf voice. There might've been scenes where they had it and they cut it, but it's definitely not a focus in this movie. It gets brought up a couple of times, but it's never get done. Yeah. And there's a lot of things about this movie where it showcases things that someone in the hearing, like someone who has only been hearing and has only been around hearing people like you don't think about like how much noise someone makes just kind of going about their day. If they're not being conscientious of other people, Um, like there's a scene that's played for laughs, but is very earnest in its telling where the parents are having sex in the bedroom next door while she has a friend over and they are just, they are so loud about it because they don't know they're not supposed to be. And, and and it seems like that, that really ground this movie. This movie is very grounded. This movie is very heartfelt. I, I think if you are okay with coming of age movies, I think this movie is the best as they come. Right. I think I am okay with saying this is my favorite coming of age movie I've seen in a very long time, if not my favorite ever. And it's my personal choice for uh, the best picture win. Okay. It's on the fence between this one and our next movie, Belfast, for me. Granted, I haven't seen King Richard, which might beat both of these. Um, But Belfast is next. Um, It got nominated for seven Oscars. 
Yes. It's going to win something. Um, Let performance me ask you by this actress question. in a supporting Before we role. we talk about Belfast. Yes. What do you consider? When do you start consider this movie is nominated for a lot of Oscars? Six or more. Okay. I feel like five you can get away with by just the kind of movie it is. So if it's if your movie has music that could be score, original song, could be sound as well, and then usually it could be animated or it could be um, it needs to win one other thing, and then you're at five. Yeah. So I'm like, it's whatever. So I think once you get to six, you're throwing actors in there, you're throwing costume design, or you're throwing directing. And there's there's categories where this movie's good at more than one thing, which I'm about. So this is six, which is wh- how I know it was good. Actually, this movie's seven, which is how I knew it was going to be good. It's got best performance by an actress in supporting role, Judy Dench. Best performance by an actor in supporting role, Siren Hines, who I love. Screen original screenplay, motion picture of the year, sound directing, achievement in music, which definitely deserved. This so, movie is pretty good. Yes, this yeah, this one is also in my top three. This movie I think is the one I expected the least because when this movie came out, all I saw was black and white artsy film, religious undertones, not my kind of movie. Then I sat down and I watched it, and I'm like. Oh, this movie's actually really freaking good. It made me realize how good some of these actors are. Like yeah. Buddy, the main character, the little boy, played by Jude Hill, is incredible. Nails it. This movie has elements of Jojo Rabbit. Very similar. Um, this movie's better. The uh, black and yes. white, yeah. I will say, unnecessary. Unnecessary? It's- uh, it, I, yes, this movie did not add being in black and white did not add or take away from this right. movie. For me, though, it it took away because if you're going to do black and white, it has to it has to add. Otherwise, don't do it. OK, it, it's a stylistic thing. So for me, it's like if you're going to go just in life, if you're going to be extra, make sure it adds. Otherwise, you're being extra for no reason. Don't yeah, be so... extra for the sake of being extra. And that's what it felt like for this movie. I will say, Buddy, uh, played by Drew Hill, amazing. Pa, yes. played by Jeremy Doran, who you might know from Fifty Shades, is <laughs> great. Yeah. And then Siren Hines, as Pop, the grandpa, kills it. And you might know him from Harry Potter. Um. So this movie, if, if you're not familiar with anything about it, uh, it, it's a movie about the Protestant and Catholic civil war in Ireland. And it, the whole movie takes place on a single street. And there's you, you see the conflict rise. You see it kind of plateau. And you see how it affects this little community. Because there's Protestants and Catholics living on this street. And you see how the Catholics get, like, just bullied. Yeah, it's it's uh, 1969, and there is an Irish car bomb. Yeah. And there's more than one, and you're like, man, this sucks. <laughs> and, and Buddy's family, they're Protestant, but I feel like the phrase Catholic sympathizer could be used here. But I think like, the thing is, like, these people, their parents have lived on the street forever. Their grandparents have lived on the street, like, there's a small, small block of town forever. Like they 60 know, feet. Yeah. They know every single neighbor. They know every single kid. They know when people moved in, when people moved out. They know what 
every single person's name is. They know what the inside of the house looks like. So I wouldn't know if they're Catholic sympathizers, but they're just close with every yeah. single person in the neighborhood. I would say that their overall opinion towards the thing is like, why are we fighting about this? Right. Like, it just never came up. Yeah. And I think what makes this movie really cool is this might be, I I don't know how universal this experience is, but there's a lot of my childhood that I don't really consider memories where I, there's a lot of my childhood where I remember existing and a lot of things happening around me that I existed during. And I think this movie captures that aspect very well, where it's this kid who's trying to be a kid and there are things happening around him and he doesn't understand all of those things happening around him, but they affect him nonetheless. He doesn't try to fully understand it. No one tries to make him fully understand it. There's just things happening and sometimes he participates and sometimes he doesn't for better and for worse. I just, dude, it was just like this kid was so cute and he was played so <laughs> honestly and he had kid problems. This didn't, this is not a coming of age. This was just like, I'm a kid going through a really, really rough time in history and I'm going to see how the adults around me handle it. Yeah. Like his parents are going through financial problems, marital problems, his dad, like a gang is trying to recruit his dad. And at the end of the day, he's just like, I want to sit next to my crush at school. And I think that that brings so much heart into this movie. And that's why the, the character of his grandpa is super cool where he's like, Hey, I know your parents are having a tough time. Let me help you sit next to your crush. Right. Like, let's and worry about that. Let me tell you how to fudge some numbers so you can get ahead in math class. <laughs> yes, because there's a scene where he's like, oh, if you do this, you can make a seven look enough like a one to where the teacher doesn't know if you meant one or seven. And, and just like little stuff like that. And I really like the the grandpa and grandpa were so cute. Like it's one of those marriages where you're like they've been married for 50 years and the love is very much still in the marriage. Uh, And you root for all of these characters. You're not necessarily rooting for them to achieve anything. Like there's not necessarily a main goal for most of these characters. You just want the best for them. Dude, it's just, it is a little filmy. Yes. Yep. But it's a good movie, man. It's, it is. Um, it's also one of the best things about this movie. It's an hour and 38 minutes. Yeah, not long. It is, it's amazing. I love shorter movies really make you appreciate getting a story done effectively and efficiently without going for all the extra stuff there was a couple there's still a couple of scenes that were unnecessary but there was never a chunk of the movie that were like why is this happening yes yeah so i mean it's just it's just a good movie it's a good movie i wouldn't say it's great but it's a, it's a good movie and i would recommend it to people yeah absolutely um this movie did make me cry i didn't ex- like this is this is how much i like this movie is i literally went in expecting a boring snooze fest and walked out of this movie crying so that's how hard of a 180 this movie pulled for me so i i I just liked it a lot the movie does real very well i didn't feel like anything was 
over-exaggerated for cinematic value. I'm like, oh, this probably all happened very similar to this. Yeah, this movie's this movie's cool. This this is probably the best filmy movie on this list. I'm I'm thinking if I was a betting man, my favorite movies and the ones I think will win are it's gonna be either Belfast or um King Richard. I haven't yeah. even seen King Richard, I know it's gonna be one of my favorite <laughs> movies. It's gonna be one of those two. And I that's what I think is gonna win, and it's also the ones I want to win. Yeah, I definitely think Kenneth Branagh is going to win Best Director. Um, I don't think, even if Belfast doesn't win Best Picture, I think Kenneth Branagh is going to win Best Director. I'm going to tell you what, if Power of the Dog wins Best Directing, Jane Campion, I'm going to be pissed. If Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> wins for Licorice Pizza, I'm going to be pissed. The other, Steven Spielberg, I mean. Whatever. Whatever. I, it's just, if those two, there's a couple of these lists, that I don't know who's going to win, but I know who shouldn't win. Um, um, did you watch any, um, that weren't best picture? Um, yeah. Tick, tick, boom. Andrew Garfield is nominated for yep. best lead actor. I like him a lot. We, this is where we go back to the biopic bias. I don't love Benedict Cumberbatch in power of the dog. So I wouldn't, I, whatever. Um, so I personally would put it between Andrew Garfield and Will Smith. I haven't seen tragedy of Macbeth, so I, I can't say anything about Denzel Washington. It's just so hard to watch Shakespeare, bro. <laughs> sure. It's yeah. so hard. And I'm sick of people pretending like it isn't. It's difficult. Of the best lead actresses, uh, Jessica Chastain is really good in eyes of Tammy Faye. Killed her perfor- her performance it. is really good. The movie isn't great. But her performance is really good. I thought the movie was pretty good. Okay. The movie was pretty yeah. good. I would say it's going to be either Eyes of Tammy Faye or the other. Um, I mean, there's so many. Bi- oh, three of these are biopics, bro. Yeah. That's not fair. But being the Ricardos, Nicole Kidman, murder. Kristen, Stewart, Kristen Stewart and Spencer is so good. Though. Dude, it's going to be one of those three. I'm hoping it's Nicole Kidman. Or, okay. just, or just honestly, one of those three. I'm good I with won't all be of upset. them. Yeah. I won't be upset. This, this, that's, a, that's a category where even though I haven't seen all of them, I will I will accept any of you, these. I recommend people watch Being the Ricardos. It's so good. And Nicole, acting-wise, is amazing. The, the plot, there's, there's things you can say about the plot. There's things you can say writing. The acting is ridiculous. Yeah. So I will say actor in a leading role. I'm going to say the same thing. Will Smith. I'm not going Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. The movie was good. He was okay. I'm not a sucker for that movie like you are. I'm going Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. He did an amazing job. So I think it's between Javier and Will Smith. I've heard pretty pretty mixed reviews about being the Ricardos. So I'm tentative to saying that one of them will win. But, you know, I I expect, I respect your, 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 your. I mean, Denzel's my favorite actor. He's your boy. He's, he's the guy. It goes Denzel, DiCaprio, Will Smith. Mm -hmm. So. And then, I mean, Javier Bardem is just a talent. But I'm going to go Will Smith or Javier. A Denzel wins. I'm not going to be upset just for the legacy purposes. Andrew Garfield. But, I mean, everyone deserves to be on this list. Everyone. Yeah, I'm not. Listen, I'm not here to break down every single category and everybody in it. Um, but this one's fair. This one's yeah. fair. I don't feel like maybe somebody got snubbed, but everyone on this list deserves it. Yeah. Okay. So th- this is kind of the last thing I want to talk about in terms of the things that I brought to this episode. Lady Gaga did not get oh. snubbed. For like, Gucci, for House, House of, of Gucci. Gucci, 
Like people she lost put in, their freaking minds. She yeah. put in the work, and I want to recognize that. She, maybe she should have gotten an honorable mention nomination, but in terms of her getting snuck, that's strong. Like her and Adam Driver are good in House of Gucci. I was not loving their performance the whole time. Okay, so that's all I have to say about that. I will say there's one snub I feel. Um, I'm I'm going through a snubs list right now to see if anybody else caught it. It's not looking like it. Um, Last Duel was an okay movie. It was straight up hard to watch. Yes. Uh, House of Gucci and Last Duel are both in the November uh, small and tall. And these are things that we say. Last Duel, good movie. Weird. Not fun to watch. It is. I had to skip scenes. I'm like, I can't. I literally can't watch. I'm fast forwarding. Jodie Comer got snubbed for actress. It she killed She's, it. She's yes. She is the only part of Last Duel that like is good from the beginning to the end. She is an amazing actress. She plays an amazing character and she's the reason you watch that movie. Yes. And it was I, she got snubbed and I'm pissed she's not on this list. Um Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else I feel like we got to mention. The cinematography, I will say in this list for this year, everything freaking deserves it, bro. I, I yeah. specifically watched them like, man, there are elements that are just freaking West Side Story, Dune, Nightmare Out. I'm like, oh, Power of the I'm like, it's all beautiful. I'm not a, I'm not feeling too many people got robbed, but Jodie Comer in The Last Duel makes me a little salty. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm walking away from this. I'm glad I watched 14 out of the 15 of these movies. Right. Is, is there any um, on any nominations that you feel like you still want to watch before this uh, official celebration comes? I am. I mean, the way you're selling being the listen, I had written off being the Ricardos because so many people were like, it's OK. Like the main review that I got from being re- the Ricardos was that it was OK. But if you if you're riding this horse, then I'll, I'll watch it. I'm um, saying you watched so many mediocre movies. This movie's not mediocre. Okay. It's a good movie. It might not be great. It's a good movie. Dude, it's three actors got nominated for this. Javier Bardem. Um, shout, shout out our man, bro. He comes up every once in a while and he's never letting us down. I'm looking and I'm stalling. J.K. Simmons okay. got nominated. Now, let me tell you, this is a classic case of not enough movie, not in enough movie to be nominated. But when he's in on screen, he's good. So, um, and, and to, to answer your question, so being the Ricardos and the lost daughter are probably the two that I'm going to try to get to before the ceremony. I am um, done besides King Richard. I'm not watching anything else. I'm, I'm, this is too much, bro. We've been watching way fair. too much. Yeah. I, I, I am really glad I did this. I think I'm going to try to do it again next year. Uh, I'm not going to cram it in one month. Let me tell you that it's not <laughs> yes. happening. Yes, very much spread it out. That's why I felt confident that I was going to be able to do it because I started this journey in January. Um, but final I, notes. I, final Anything? notes. No, I I think we covered it all. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm not going to watch it. I'm never watching the Oscars. It's oh, too same. long. Dude, I yeah, will straight up. Look up the winners the next day, and we'll see how it goes. Yes, I very much agree. Um. Man, my voice is shot. I drank two drinks. I, I I had two full mics hard during this recording, and I know that's not a lot for most people, but it's a lot for Craig because I don't drink. And so I know that it definitely came across in the recording. Um, so, 
hey, sober Craig that edits this, I'm sorry. Yeah, also, sober Craig that edits this, can you help me out, man? I had a, there's a couple of fl- flubs in there, bro. I'm- hey, tipsy Craig is here to help you with that. Don't you worry. It's uh, tipsy pretty Craig recogni- rough. Tipsy Craig recognized all, all those things where it's like, I know what he's trying to say, but he's saying it so badly. I'm going to help him out a little dude, bit. Dude, I called the ceremony a celebration for Oscars. So if you can hook it up, I know you're not going to be able to edit that part out, especially since I referenced it again. But hook it up, bro. All right. Um, that's the Oscars special. If Listen, I don't know if we swayed you to watch or not watch any of these movies, but at the very least, it made watching all of these movies feel worth it because we made content out of it. Right. And that's all I have to say. Until next time, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and don't watch the Oscars. While you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you you on Wednesday, I guess. Bye! Deuces, I guess. It's the Permanent Good Podcast about the Oscars.